welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers us all to engage bravely with the hardest aspects of parenting, to create positive change in ourselves, our families, and the world. Join us to build intention, elevate skills, and align our parenting practices with our greatest ideals. When we practice trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection, we're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Today's episode is supported by Daughter of the Land, a skincare line defined by simplicity, authenticity, and purpose. Founder Ashley Spear has created meaningful products using clean, organic, fair trade ingredients and created with sustainability in mind. We're also kind of label snobs, and Daughter (laughs) of the Land is so damn beautiful. Yes. Learn more about Daughter of the Land and support Upbringing by visiting today's show notes or our partners page at upbringing.co. Now on to our conversation. Today on the podcast, we speak with Liz Wolf, health and wellness writer, award-winning podcaster, and nutritional therapy practitioner. Liz authored the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Eat the Yolks, and created the Purely Primal Skincare Guide. She recently ended a 400-episode run as co-host of the award-winning Balanced Bites podcast, and has recently launched the online community, Baby Making and Beyond. We loved connecting with Liz about why it's okay not to be okay, how we can become more empowered about our wellness, the gifts of therapy, and the lessons we're meant to learn as parents. This was the episode for me that made me realize that you need to get on other people's episodes talking hand. <laughs> you were like so excited talking. We, I feel like we barely gave her a word in edgewise. I loved, um, thank you. And I love um, how much we just laughed in this episode. Yeah. Liz was really fun and just so smart. So I'm pretty, pretty excited about it. Me too. Here we go. You are such a valued source of inspiration and information for us. Um, You know, we're two ladies who appreciate good food and definitely aspire to eat as well as we can. Um, And something we talk a lot about at Upbringing is finding a way to learn just enough that we can grow rather than feel too intimidated or overwhelmed to move forward. Yeah, oh gosh, I feel like information balance, right? can be paralyzing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yes. can feel it can be paralyzing. And so we talk about that in a parenting context a lot, but feel the same about food and our bodies as well. Um, and most days now we feel less overwhelmed by parenting and our work on it because we're in it a lot and working with it. But as far as our health goes, dude, like our hair is falling out <laughs> and our bodies really feel like they have minds of their own and they're mentally unstable. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> um, so how do you guide people along that fine line between self-awareness and self-doubt? Oh, geez. This is like, this is the best question ever. We're like on right now, right? Like we're, yeah. we're, we're in it. We're in it. Okay. I love everything <laughs> you just said because that, that, that really resonated with me, the hair falling out part. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get it. Oh gosh. I don't know that I really teach this very well, other than the fact that I'm really trying to do it and I'm trying to Mm -hmm. find that balance for myself. And hopefully, like, I feel like I'm sharing it a little bit with folks. So maybe they can feel a little bit more normal, you know, because I think part of the hard part is when you feel like you're the only one, Mm -hmm. you know, so I I honestly, it's a short answer. I don't know that I'm really helping people do that any more than just showing them that I'm in that struggle myself and that maybe that's okay. 
Yeah. I feel like you create such a warm environment too, that makes people less intimidated kind of learning. those. Well, that's things. good. Cause that's really yeah. what I want to man. That's what I need. Like that's what I'm seeking all the time is just like a warm, soft place to just suck. Mm-hmm. So yeah, know, like it to has provide to that be, for others. Yeah. Like I feel like what, what you offer has to be you know, inspiring and informative, but it also has to be accessible and approachable. And how do you kind of bridge those two things in a topic that is just so sensitive and so tied to our egos and our psychology and our history. And um, we really want to talk with you about baby making and beyond, because I feel like it's one of those, it's a program that pairs two of the most sensitive things, um, your body and like nutrition and um, Mm -hmm. wellness with parenting and baby stuff, which is just like, that's like super heavy duty. Um, So yeah, can you tell us just a little bit about how that came to be? Well, the reason it took so long is because it is really, really hard to talk about any of this stuff without, without causing like a feeling of being judged or, Mm -hmm. you know, like the, the mommy wars. I mean, I hate that, but just that feeling of like, you're saying that, are you saying I'm doing it wrong? Mm-hmm. It, and it's so normal to feel that way. Like it's it's just so normal because we're so like parents, this matters to us so much and we're trying so freaking hard yeah. all the time. And then to come across the suggestion that maybe we've been doing something differently than see, I I have trouble even putting it into words now. It's like, not that I'm doing something wrong because I feel like anything done out of love cannot be like inherently wrong as in damaging or suboptimal or whatever. But even suggesting that there may be another path that would be more peaceful for you and lead to better things than what you've already done. Mm -hmm. Even making that suggestion is really, really fraught with emotion. And so I think it's just this sort of like inundation of, of questioning yourself and questioning your practices. And that's just like the gray area that we talk about. It's just this kind of like uncomfortable limbo that you have to get really fucking comfortable in in order to grow, you know? And I'm sure a lot, I mean, not everybody's like this. Like I have friends who are like, totally just they enjoy like the everything you know they enjoy it and then something comes up and they deal with it and they're not like again it's that balance that gray area between like are you being thoughtful or are you being like doomsday prepper you know what Mm -hmm. I mean and so I definitely skew towards doomsday prepper for the most part (laughs) and then you add a, a layer where it's like when something does go wrong like when you get sick or your kid gets sick or you're up against a behavioral problem and you're thinking to yourself, what does this say about me and what I've done wrong and the bad decisions I've made that we're dealing with this now? Instead of just like some of my friends who are like, oh, shoot, this popped up. No clue why. Let's deal with it. Instead of (laughs) placing all the blame and shame and what did I do and what happened two and a half years ago when she was breastfeeding and I was eating, you know, I ate Indian food that day and it probably had, you know, shortening trans fat, you know, whatever it is. There's a lot of thinking going on well, there. Well, that yeah. is the curse of the highly conscious person. That's, you know, you once your eyes are open, you can learn so much and you're improving and you're so grateful for all that you're seeing in the world and 
you know, and seeing in yourself. But then the flip side of that, there's always a flip side is all the things that you could have been doing wrong or could be doing wrong. Oh my gosh. I'm nodding vigorously over here. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. totally. I wish we could see each other's nodding. I know. Oh my gosh. I mean, those layers of emotions and just like those primal, just like feelings that you have because really before the baby comes you're almost you're thinking about things in a logical way <laughs> and yeah. it's just you know it's not linear like when you actually have that baby in your arms like it's just not linear like the the thought process was for me before I had my daughter it became I don't know much oh. more what's the opposite of linear <laughs> fragmented haphazard fragmented. <laughs> I don't Super know if we can wavy. swear, but cluster, you know. We definitely can't. Oh, yeah. Way. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, so how, how, who did you lean on? How, how did you make it through those, those early months or even early years? How old is your daughter? Remind she's us. three and a half. Okay. She'll, excuse me. She'll tell you three and seven months. Uh-huh. Excuse me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't want to say I didn't make it through very elegantly. Um, I feel like I have the most amazing group of friends. I I cannot say enough about my friends, but I didn't, it's not that they weren't there for me. It's that I didn't know how to lean on them. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't know how to be vulnerable. And that's been a huge lesson for me over the last three and a half years is getting comfortable with being vulnerable and feeling broken and asking for help. And also knowing that just being open to help does not necessarily mean that you're going to get the help that you need. And so for Mm -hmm. me, I've also had to be willing to be selective about the advice that I get. So I will appreciate, you know, advice that I get, but that doesn't mean I have to take it. Mm -hmm. And so it's this whole process of learning to be vulnerable and learning to trust myself and also getting comfortable with the fact that sometimes there is no answer. And that's so hard. And I don't know why it was so difficult for me to to tell them what a hard time I was having. I remember my daughter was about 18 months old and I finally was like, I sat down with my friend Liz and I was like, Liz, I don't think this is normal. Like I know it's hard to be a mom and we're tired and this is rough because we all had, a couple of us had babies around the same time. And I was like, but I cannot pull myself out of this, this anxious, obsessive, uh, repeating thoughts, this hole that I'm in. And she was Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to hook you up with my friend who has been through this and you talk to her. And then, you know, she set me up with some resources and I finally called a therapist because maybe, maybe I needed to feel like I was paying somebody for their time to really, really get into the nitty gritty Mm -hmm. because otherwise I felt like I was bothering people. Right. And so that you could just let go and, you know, be vulnerable and open up and not feel like you were putting it on somebody who would then worry about you or, you know, not even judge you necessarily, but just bear your burden. How how do all new parents not go see a therapist? Like, how is that not mandatory? I know. I I think what's so hard postpartum is I couldn't even imagine how I was going to get from my bedroom to the kitchen with a newborn. But to actually mm-hmm. get out of the house and go to a therapist, I just I I I wish that one day we're gonna come back to that like doctor that makes house calls, you know, and therapists that'll mm-hmm. come over and sit next to you and talk to you about stuff because I think a lot of moms just can't even imagine how they're gonna get out of the house. That's so great though that you were able to to find that help and to, you know, slow those thoughts, hopefully. And yeah, you know, it's been a process. And 
and I had to therapist shop a little bit. I went to one therapist who was great, but I kind of realized this is part of the journey of like trusting myself because in the past, I think if I was not fully like feeling it with, I don't know, maybe not a therapist because I wouldn't have gone to a therapist 10 years ago, but like my dentist, right? If I felt mm-hmm. like my dentist was like not the dentist for me, I would have been like, well, what's wrong with me? Like you just mm-hmm. suffer through it and be like, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. So, and I, and I kind of said to myself like, all right, I, I still need to be doing this and going through this process, but I don't think this person is the perfect person for me. She was good for three or four sessions. And then I think it was time to move on. So now I'm working with another therapist that is freaking amazing, which is mm-hmm. kind of hard in itself because I totally want to be her friend, but that's not what I'm there for. <laughs> So, but it yeah, keeps I it coming back. An hour once yeah. a week, she is your best friend. <laughs> she is my best friend, and she is great. And it's mm-hmm. it's been really good. And even a few sometimes she'll say something that I'm like, no, I disagree with that. And coming mm-hmm. to a point where I will assert myself in that way and trust myself a little bit more, um, I think has been really, really important for mm-hmm. me. And I'm just starting to see how important that's been. That's awesome. First, I love that you said that you had to shop for a therapist and had to kind of, it took one or two to kind of get the one that you love. Stop after one they don't like. We hear that happen all the time. We have friends who are like, I went to one and I just didn't like them. So therapy's not for me. And we're like, what? Like, would you do that with a gynecologist? Would you do that with a dentist? (laughs) Gynecology's just not for me. Would you do that with a plumber? (laughs) I guess I just won't get this plumbed. Like what? Oh my gosh, Um, please. I'm going to be doing that all day long. Plumbing's not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Vacuuming's not for me. Well, use the toilet. So yeah. Um, So that's just, I love hearing that. I hope that is encouraging to people um, listening who may have gone through the same thing. Um, And then just that idea of seeing a therapist as not as an authority figure, Mm -hmm. not um, a a parent, um, but more as an attachment figure. So someone who you can feel safe enough to listen to and to disagree with respectfully and who can hold that space for you where you don't feel like you're in a hierarchy, which is not a place where growth happens. Yeah. um, But in kind of a, a a kind of a more of a cooperative relationship that just sounds awesome. That's great. I, and I always have wanted that, that one person, like that authority, the person you can trust and everything they say you can trust and it's gospel. And it's just so silly. That doesn't exist. It mm. would be nice if it did and not to, so no, I probably shouldn't go here and you can cut this if you want to, but that's kind of one of the big struggles I had being brought up in a religious household mm-hmm. where I felt like it is very natural for humans to desire a supreme authority on mm-hmm. one topic. But in reality, I don't know that that exists. And so mm-hmm. breaking away from that and realizing that we're going to build our lives and our you know, accumulated wisdom one piece at a time from multiple sources. And sometimes those sources will be unreliable on some things and the most reliable on others. And it's getting comfortable with kind of filling your bucket over time versus just seeking that one source of you know, supremely true information. Yeah, I mean, it, that takes a lot of work though. And it takes yes. uh, you being in such a place of insecurity at times and vulnerability and having the the, having to bear the responsibility and the burden yeah. um, and the joy of having to self-reflect. So everything that is spoken to you, you have to decide if it's meaningful or valuable or offensive or unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And when you just go to one person for everything and just kind of do the the automatic default of, oh, well, I guess everything they say is true, like to a parent or a priest or a shrink or 
um, a nutritionist or whatever. That's, whatever your guru you know, is. That's a, yeah. That's a really safe place to, to feel to be, but it is an incredibly unsafe place to actually be. Very true. That makes that's sense. a really good point. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not cutting your childhood stuff. This is the kind of stuff we like to mm-hmm. talk about. So <laughs> tell us a little bit more. Uh, tell us about maybe how your childhood was different than how you're raising your daughter right now. That's like, that's a really interesting question. And I, what pops into my head is when my daughter was really little and my mom told me that she was learning a lot about motherhood from me. And I was like, mm-hmm. really? Wow. What? I don't know how to feel about that. But it was mm-hmm. it was kind of a cool moment. I feel like I had a really great childhood. Um, my parents were and still are very Christian. And it was normal. But then you grow up and you start to question certain things, whether they're for you and whether the way things were handled with you as a child were the way you would handle it as an adult. And it's kind of a weird and uncomfortable place to be. I I think that I am more attuned to my daughter's emotional need for emotional expression than probably my parents were. And I think that that's, I think that's pretty common for our parents, you know, our generation were raised by a lot of times like depression era parents mm-hmm. and kids that grew up. So my grand grandparents grew up around that time and my grandparents, both of my grandfathers were World War II veterans and they were very closed off emotionally. I mean, you know, this is a time before PTSD was a, a thing, you know, a diagnosis. And these men came back from World War II and had no capacity um, for just some of these everyday things, Connection. including mm-hmm. affection. Yeah. And I think that that coupled with the religion that mm-hmm. my family has created maybe an environment where we were less um, affirmed for negative emotions than I am with my daughter. So mm-hmm. that's super obscure, but at this point, I should probably just say what I do with my daughter, and you can assume what the opposite is. <laughs> when my daughter has a negative feeling or a negative emotion, or she's pissed, or she's sad, or what have you, I hold space for that as best I can. And that is 100% against every fiber of my like instinctive being because I was not raised that way. I was very much raised in a, oh, it's okay. Like you're fine. You're fine type of type of environment as many of my peers were. And I think people still do that today. Like if your child is hurt or falls down or is upset, it's you're okay, you're okay, or distraction, distraction or, or whatever. But at this point, it's really important to me because I struggle with my own strong emotions so much. Mm-hmm. that I hold space for my daughter's strong emotions. So when she's crying, I don't try to fix it. I make sure she's safe and she doesn't need medical attention, but I let her have those feelings and let them flow out. And hopefully I'm doing a good job of it so she doesn't start to feel like when she's sad, she needs to come back to neutral or when she's super happy, she needs to come back to neutral. I want her to be mm-hmm. comfortable with the full spectrum of emotions because I really never have been. And that's why parenthood was so hard for me. <laughs> yeah, all the flavors. Yeah. Yeah. It took well, a long you, time for me to explain that. I apologize. Oh my, no, it was beautiful. And I feel like we should like clap for you right I now because you're yeah. obviously like doing <laughs> a really good amazing. job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, oh man, um, all of that makes so much sense that your grandfather, well, you were talking about your grandfathers or yeah. 
your parents' parents. I mean, they were raised in environments where you don't yell, you don't express anger. Children are seen and not heard. Children are seen and not heard. So because I said that those are the adults they're going to become and those are the kids they're going to try and raise. And it just, it's one of those cyclical, you know, uh, family to family generational kind of things that, that goes on. And it's like, it's sounding like you are maybe one of the first generations in your family. And I think a lot of us are, um, as more kind of evidence comes out and there are more books, there are more podcasts. There's just so much more to read and understand. Um, and therapy is also so much more um, prevalent and kind of accessible and approachable mm-hmm. now. Yeah. But we're that first generation saying, wait a second, why are we doing this? To break the yeah. cycle. How can we break this cycle? This is really uncomfortable. But like maybe for your daughter, when she's raising her kids, it's not going to be uncomfortable for her to go through that. It's not going to be going against every fiber of her being mm-hmm. to allow her kids to have really strong emotions and to understand those emotions. That's why you let her have them, right? Yeah, is so that yeah, she can yeah. not just let them pass and be able to just you know express them in a healthy way so then she can kind of return back to her center, but also so that she can become aware of what they mean and why they happened and be able to self-regulate someday. And yeah. become aware of them in other people and yeah. seek to understand the people around her. Yeah, or in you. Um, and I think that this is such, it's so nice to hear this too from somebody who has a younger kid because it it only gets harder. I mean, now mm-hmm. instead of her just, you know, yelling or feeling mad, it she's going to be crying and then it gets fr- it's right. frustration <laughs> and then, yes. and then it gets yelling. And then all of a sudden it's going to be saying, I hate you. Yes. You know, those same feelings are going to progress and evolve as she gains vocabulary and physical dexterity and things will be thrown instead of just stomped. Oh my and, gosh. You know, this like, is exactly where we are right now. Can I tell it's it's like tell us I, everything. I was saying the other day that I miss those toddler meltdowns because uh-huh. it's like they're upset and they collapse on the floor and they scream and cry mm-hmm. and it's almost funny. <laughs> I mean it's yeah. it's not funny. It's you they're can serious. Still pick emotions. them up and they put their arms around you and want to like hold you. Yeah. It's so much more straightforward to hold space for an 18-month-old than a three-and-a-half-year-old who is sad and angry and can throw things. And you're like, at what point? I mean, I say that I try and hold space for her emotions, but I question myself every time there's a tantrum as to whether mm-hmm. I need to put a stop to certain behaviors, if I'm being too permissive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I question myself all the time. But I think, you know, at least I'm questioning myself. At least I'm not punishing her for having strong emotions and saying- Curse you know, of the conscious parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, curse of the conscious parent. That's like how it goes for sure. Yeah, but that stuff is so good. That's what we talk about so much. I just I love that we're talking about this. We have like a whole doc where we've written out all the amazing good reasons that tantrums exist, Mm -hmm. and we're trying to decide what it should be. It's called why tantrums are awesome. Yeah. Um. What is it? I can't remember the subtitle of it. We wrote it for a friend who like really believed tantrums were not good and that um, and like misbehavior that they were misbehaviors that right they were yeah that they were deceitful that you know that they were intentional that they yeah. were um unhealthy. You know, unhealthy that they were scary you know like i mean mm-hmm. all of those things run through all of our minds because that's how our emotions were were treated when we were younger to a certain extent yeah um and so of course when it happens with our kids we're going to be all of those things are going to be brought up in us yeah so um, i say tantrums okay. are stress leaving the body Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think so much of all, all of it is just the mindset of, of looking at your kid and seeing something completely different than what you're feeling yeah. and working on seeing something that will eventually allow you to feel that same thing. 
That and that it doesn't say, it's not saying anything about you as a parent. You know, I think a yeah. lot of times when I'm upset at something and I kind of am blaming my daughter, you know, I'm upset with her. What's mm-hmm. really hap- happening is that I'm upset because I'm questioning myself and I'm feeling mm-hmm. like, what have I done wrong? What does this say about me? Mm-hmm. And I don't think I need to be asking myself those questions. I really don't. I think those are stressful and unnecessary. I think it's a good question to ask just usually afterwards, not in the moment. <laughs> the moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, we do it in a debriefing way. But I do believe that people can tend to lean one way or another. They can lean as self-blame or they can lean toward child blame. Mm -hmm. And so they fixated on the kid or on themselves. But it's really hard to just be like, this is just as is. This This is what it is. This is just what it is, yeah. You know, it's really tough. I think about that, Kel, that Thich Nhat Hanh um, uh, quote that is about watering a plant, like a a plant that's wilting. We don't blame the plant. Like we – we just give it more water and we just figure out, you know, we don't blame ourselves necessarily. I actually do blame myself. For I, I was my just going to say, I, I totally <laughs> blame myself. Yeah, so <laughs> but then, okay, think of an outdoor plant. This It's a, a plant on the farm, but you know that there's so many factors. There's sunshine, there's water, you know, there are all of these things. There's just the plant itself. There's you, like, it's never that simple, but yeah, it raises a lot of questions and a lot of insecurity for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we remember reading, we love your Instagram and I've been following it for a long time and, um, listening to you and Diane on balance bites, but you don't talk about parenting that often on the podcast. Um, uh, but you posted on Instagram, oh, several months back, this quote that I think it was based off of a quote from the Gottman Institute and we just loved it. Like we just, it was very surprising because we follow you for nutrition and food and all of these other things. And so to see you write something about parenting that felt so aligned with how we parent and what we think and what we're going through, it just, it kind of blew our minds a little bit. So we were wondering if you could read it aloud for us. I sure can. Parenting is about embracing the parent and the person that you are, not shaming yourself for not being the parent you thought you'd be. It's about understanding that you, so long as you're actively working to be aware of yourself and what it means to love a child, are exactly the person your child needs as much as your child is exactly the person you need to guide you. Even if it feels ugly and discordant and terrifying at times, parenting isn't just about finding a way to raise your kid properly or figuring out how to make yourself that parent. It's about a constant back and forth, give and take between two separate yet spiritually inseparable humans. It's not about right and wrong. It's about you and me. Mutual discovery, which includes inevitable hardship and pain, but beauty and growth too. Parenting has exposed my deepest insecurities, fears, and self-judgments. I've said many times that this isn't the person I thought I'd be, but I do believe that these are the lessons I'm meant to learn even if it hurts, and even if I wish sometimes I didn't have to learn them. Here's what I'm learning. Just because I feel broken down, unsure, wrung out, and clueless, this doesn't mean I'm not exactly where I'm meant to be. It means this is my learning time, and this is where I do the work. Love that so much. (laughs) (laughs) Where did that come from? (laughs) Where did that come from? Seriously. Oh, man. I mean, (laughs) parenting is – it's so hard because you're on this – you think you're going to have a kid and you're going to kind of know what to do. And yeah, it's going to be hard, but you'll figure it out. And I just feel like 
for a long time, I felt like, how am I supposed to guide and mold this person when I feel like I am just in shambles over here? And when I finally kind of accepted that I'm meant to be exactly where I am in this journey, just as much as I'm, you know, this relationship I have with my daughter and the give and take is exactly what it's supposed to be. I don't know. That gave me a lot of, a lot of peace because it's been, you don't think you're going to be such a mess and you don't think that you're going to be literally like rebuilt, like re, you know, like broken down and rebuilt in so many ways. Yeah. But if you let it, if you, let it, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. that's what Kelty and I always say. We always say, if you let it, but yeah, just that idea that we talk a lot about how we're all growing up together, how we didn't realize how much work we not just had to do, but could do on ourselves until we were raising kids. But that fine line between seeing your child as a separate person, but how you two are also spiritually inseparable. So how Mm -hmm. do you reconcile the closeness and the distance that, that are integral and, you know, critical to having a relationship who works on what? That's a rhetorical question, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Just throwing it out there to the universe. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but I like that idea too of just always knowing that <clears throat> you're where you you're meant to be. Mm-hmm. So just we talk about too just meeting our kids where they are, and we do try to do that with ourselves as well. It's an even more important reminder because you always feel mm-hmm. like I should be doing this, I should be that, I should look like this. The this situation should look like this, and we're constantly, you know, kind of fighting and pushing back against what is actually happening or what mm-hmm. we're actually experiencing or feeling or being like, and. You know, it's not so much like this is a predestined journey and where I'm meant to be, but thinking with that same big picture lens of this is part of my, the journey is the destination. This is part of my work mm-hmm. is just embracing where I am with awareness and consciousness and, and working fucking hard at it at the same time, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I think with that, it, it, you have to accept that those hard things have value and have worth. Otherwise it's just, we're just waiting until the hard thing passes or trying to fix the hard thing to get over it. Or we're looking the other way because we don't want to deal with it. And we have to like inherently accept that the hard things are like the obstacle is the way essentially. That's what she said. Like, you know, the lessons that are lessons that she's meant to learn. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy to think I I never would have had the slightest clue that I had these lessons to learn had I not become a parent. Yeah. And that those moments that you're at your worst when you're broken down, unsure, wrung out, clueless, like that's all amazing stuff because that means that it's their opportunities to to yeah. grow from them. They're not a, a, a demotion. They're a not failure. a failure. They're, they're an opportunity. They're oh, a gift that so your kid true. is giving you, you know? Yeah. That's how we've been trying to think of it lately. Like yeah. when when we're in a, a tough moment, we're thinking, my kid is giving me this gift right now yeah. to look at myself or to look at my partner or to look at my life in a different way. When you think about like virtues that we all strive for, like courage and patience and um, you know, bravery and all yeah. of these things, like those can only happen if you're put in a challenging situation. Yeah. yeah. You know, bravery and patience aren't required when you're like floating in a pool or, you know, yeah. <laughs> holding hands, skipping down the street yeah, yeah or pushing your yeah. kid in a swing. You don't need any of those virtues when things are going well. And it's almost those moments when they're, when you find yourself in it and you're like, oh, I, 
you know, it's this is what I thought before I became a parent. There will be moments where I will say to myself, oh, I must be patient in this moment. And then I will exercise patience and then everything will be fine. <laughs> and that's not what it is. It's like you find yourself in like this vortex of craziness and you're like, you have to draw on these like these qualities. You have to have yeah. faith that you have them and you can use them when you literally have no idea what's going on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's more a practice of like summoning. Yes, than, summoning. Oh, I yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. We have to find ways to, to put that into words for ourselves as parents. Mm-hmm. Like what does that actually mean? We're like yeah. finding words or phrases that, you know, like like patients could say, you could just tell yourself something like breathing into the the challenge or mm-hmm. trust this was could meant be, to be. This was meant to be or trust <laughs> yeah. could be like, letting it go for now. Like you just anything to just like cue you into being able to summon that feeling Mm -hmm. when, when everything about the situation and your body is telling you that you shouldn't and can't. Basically the things that should have been like up on the walls of our elementary schools that weren't. (laughs) What was that one eagle poster? Yeah. Yeah. Poster of like the wolf howling at the moon. Right. Exactly. They were all probably just like work hard and shut up. Basically. (laughs) What school did you guys go to? I want to go to your school. Oh, but you guys say too, when you say the hard stuff is the good stuff. And I really, really, really like that. Just reminding yourself that in those really crappy moments, like, no, this is good. This is okay. It's it's all the work we're all meant to do. Yeah. 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 I think that doesn't, I think a lot of our friends have been coming to us lately and being like, so the hard stuff's the good stuff. So let me tell you about this thing. And you have to tell me why it's good. And and I think that that's where the magic is, though, is that all of a sudden they're saying, what is good from this? And they're asking themselves those questions mm-hmm. because that's how you figure it out. And that's how you build an, an inner context about cracking that the reasoning. Code. Right. Mm-hmm. But that can only come if you're talking about the hard thing and really searching for that meaning. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like we talk about just debriefing after and it's hard to go through the whole thing in the moment. Why is this good in the moment? But it's important afterwards. It's vital afterwards to look at it and be like, why was this good? Why was this important? What did I learn? What can I do differently next time? How is this valuable for me or my kid? But it's so easy to just be like, I need a glass of wine and I need some Netflix (laughs) and or like read a book and talk about something else, which it has its moment, but it's really hard. Do you have uh, like a listening partnership person? Who's your go-to to like hash out all of your all your stuff. Oh man, that's a good question. Who is therapist? it that does is really yeah, into the listening probably, partnerships yeah. thing? Is that is that an a rye thing or an aware parenting thing? Where does that come like, from? I feel like that's a hand in hand parenting thing. Oh yes, that's, yeah, yes. that's where yeah. I've heard about it. So I'm throwing yeah. it out. Bought there. that in, bought that online program too at one point. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, I remember that now. So I I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I can talk to my husband about anything. But he and I are like we're not twin souls, and I mean that in a good way. Um, in that, where I lag, he really kind of picks up the slack. So we're very different, but we kind of plug in well. You're like complementary souls. Complementary, yeah. So at the same time, what if I discuss something with him? Like I just want to be heard, and oftentimes he wants to be the fixer, mm-hmm. and that's okay. But there are times when I feel like. I need to talk to someone totally neutral and outside of the situation. And that's part of why I go to therapy every week because I really mm-hmm. – I don't go to therapy and like dig into adverse childhood experiences every single time. Sometimes I go to therapy and I just talk about like, hey, am I raising a brat? What do you think? Or, hey, mm-hmm. what do you think I should do about this work situation? Mm-hmm. Because 
talking through those little things with someone that's slightly neutral and removed from the situation can be really, really helpful. Yeah. Who isn't, isn't um, tempted to kind of compensate or they're not assuage. Yeah. Wow. What a good word. Did I say it right? I don't even know. I think I've always said assuage, but I really (laughs) like how you said it. Well, I guess I would say that's maybe how they say it in in France. (laughs) France. Croissant. Assuage. Um, but yeah, but that's I someone mean, who's not compromised. Yeah. By, yeah. Right. Yeah. Who's not affected emotionally themselves, except really when you think about it, I always wonder how are shrinks not affected themselves by, I've made my shrink cry before, which oh my gosh. I didn't think was possible. And I was like, should I keep going here? And I was like, is this a win or a <laughs> yeah, lose? Yeah, no, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. But, um, God, just thinking about, of course, I think about what my shrink must be going through while I'm like, they're supposed to be thinking about what I'm going through. But that's like a whole other. (laughs) No, I think about the same thing. My therapist is a little younger than me and, you know, may be starting a family at some point soon. And I always think, oh, gosh, I'm talking about all these horrible, like, fears and and I'm like am I am I are you okay like are you uh-huh. and she's like I know how to separate it and I'm I, she's like, you know it's okay I have a therapist she probably gonna she be probably she also has like a notebook of tips that she's been like squirreling away ever since oh, you've man. been in there oh yeah yeah you're giving her a lot of a good gold I bet mm-hmm. I hope so <laughs> I remember you also writing somewhere that it's okay to not be okay and yeah I think that that's and just, you're not alone. Yeah, yeah. And that you're not alone in that. Like everyone feels not okay most of the time, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and how do we kind of like, you know, hold that really carefully that that it's okay to not feel okay all the time. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's, that's such a challenge for me too. You know, man, I don't know where I want to take this, but it's okay to not be okay. I feel like a lot of my emotional turmoil and anguish, and I don't know what the word is, but when you go over and over and over the same things in your perseverate. mind, what's that? When, perseveration. Like when you, yeah, when you perseverate, perseverate. Yeah, that's so good. That's not like, the word I was looking for. It's better. Like ruminate. Ruminate. You, oh my gosh, we call it. I going mean, down obsess. Like the, going down the rabbit hole. Going down the rabbit yeah. hole. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, all of that I feel like comes from my desperate need to escape bad feelings. And when I'm not okay, trying to escape that as fast as I can and try and find any way out that I possibly can. And sometimes there is no way out. You just, other than through, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where I was so challenged for the longest time is really owning this idea that it is okay to not be okay. And, but, but it's hard, especially when especially when it's in a scary moment. So I think of that as like you have these moments where you're like, man, I'm in it. I'm not happy. Like I'm really struggling. And you can identify that for yourself and you can give yourself permission to be in it. But then the challenge for me has been, for example, when my kid is sick and when she has like a respiratory infection and she's coughing Mm -hmm. and I am deeply triggered by coughing. It is really, Mm -hmm. really difficult for me. And Mm -hmm. I get in this mode where I hear her cough and I have this insane fight or flight, like adrenaline shooting Mm -hmm. into my fingertips. Like I'm not going to survive this moment feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's another, I I think, another side of this. It's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. What I'm really working on is in those moments where I am so afraid I want to literally run and never come back to be able to sit with that and identify those feelings in the moment and 
and come through it without feeling like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. And those are really, really intense moments. Sometimes you don't have the wherewithal to really identify and name your feelings and think about them and be okay with it. That's really where I struggle and what I'm working mm-hmm. on currently with therapy and and whatnot is to really try. And, and still, like, I'm still doing that work to try and escape that feeling. So I'm like mm-hmm. not there yet at all, but that's what I'm really working on now. That's amazing. It reminds me of like, I have that exact feeling. It's not about coughing. It's more about just screaming, <laughs> screaming. And um, Kelty's children have the most, and we don't talk about our kids a ton, but they have a, a beautifully high, slightly <laughs> minor pitch. Yeah. <laughs> that is like, it is I've, un, unlike anything I've ever heard. It is amazing. Hannah, they well, will be we, beautiful we, singers. We also can really endure each, each other's kids screaming. So, or no, our own oh, kids yeah. better than each other's. That makes sense. Yeah, it's yeah. But anyway, I've I've tried to like kind of find metaphors for like instead of just trying to apply myself with phrases in those well, because moments. Because what do you want to say? Moments, what do you want to do? I, I want to basically like just zen out somehow and and. No, but like, what do you actually want to do that you're trying not to? Do you not want to just be like, no, not to run away or scream, shut up. She wants to scream. Yeah. You've been telling me this lately and I think it helps you. I feel like it's been helping you to tell me. I want to say, shut the fuck up. I've never never actually said it, but if I can say it to Hannah, Uh I won't. And that's what's amazing. And sometimes I do have to run away like to the next room and say it in the pillow or whatever it is. But, but also- just like vis- visual things like Jana Lansbury talks about pretending that you're plugged in and just having this vision of a plug coming out of a wall. Mm-hmm. And, and that actually like makes me just be like, like just the downshift mm-hmm. of like thinking like this energy that's going through my body, I'm plugged in and I'm going to unplug. I'm just going to like Hey, I didn't know Deflate. that that's what you've been doing, but you definitely look like drugged when you're <laughs> like when we're <laughs> we've been in the car lately, and like it is like sometimes it's just one of those moments, and both of the kids are just screaming Four and kids. being. But your two kids, yes, my are, yeah. are mine are like happily sitting in the back seat because that's what they do. It's yeah. really funny, it's super um, cute, yeah. <laughs> and Kelties are in the middle because they're a little more high maintenance, um, but they're just screaming and being like just you know really um, challenging to Kelty. Kelty's. Ha- feeling really challenged in that moment it's literally like her eyes are at like half mast and like your shoulders are slumped <laughs> not like in a like you know conquered you know kind of like you've given up kind of way but yeah. in this, this like good very relaxed like, I'm, I'm like a submission i've really posture no but and then you're moving through the motions and you're able to kind of you know manage and, and yeah. deal with them and help them where i just i didn't realize that you'd unplugged I'd unplugged. that's so good to know basically <laughs> and i'm able to say yeah you really want that book or i'd like to get out of the car too or yeah. um you know what, what can we do about it let's problem solve or like yeah. i'm really hungry too what are we going to eat like i'm able to say all those things and not scream shut the fuck being scared and knowing those moments like how do i befriend something that has literally makes me want to run away from it yeah how can i say no come closer to me let me hold you in my arms so that I can like, so you'll disappear basically. So can you I know? tell you a story, what I just did that was kind of along those lines? It'll be yeah. a fast story. <laughs> we're in no rush. So I told you before we started recording that we were dealing with croup the last couple of days. And yeah. there's not a whole lot of things worse than that when you're triggered by respiratory issues and coughing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually gave myself, so what I've been telling myself the last couple of nights is like, just sleep. Like if, if, she needs you, like you will wake up, it will be fine, just go to sleep. And instead, I kind of 
like you said, like made friends with it a little bit. And I said, all right, I'm going to let myself stay up all night and just stare at her the whole time. And that's actually exactly what I did. Oh my God. (laughs) Probably sounded like a bad idea. But what I saw was that every time she had a coughing fit, I saw her breathing. Mm -hmm. And then I saw her not even waking up and then falling back asleep. And Mm -hmm. it really diffused it a little bit. Like it's still, it's not fixed. I'm not healed, you know, Mm -hmm. but it really did help me see like, okay, she coughs and then we're okay and she's mm-hmm. breathing and I'm watching. And towards like maybe 3.30, 4 in the morning, I actually allowed myself to turn the light off and mm-hmm. close my eyes. That's so it was amazing. good. I kind of no, did make friends with it in that moment. Yeah. you. I, f- I feel like they have a type of therapy for that where it's like it's like exposure therapy yes. or something. But like yes. you, you were like, I'm going to explore this nightmare yeah. so that I can really – I can get to the other side of it and then realize – okay, I'm, it doesn't have as much power over me anymore because I'm not fighting against it. I've dwelled within it enough yeah. to understand that it's it's not what I thought it was. Yeah, We're reading so many beautiful things about how people's you know resilience and success and happiness and fulfillment actually boil down in many ways to this incredible ability to sit in discomfort mm-hmm. for as long as you can. And just like you did last night mm-hmm. and just like sit in it and dwell in it and, you know, open your arms to it and get comfortable in that discomfort. Mm-hmm. Like that is our life's work in a, in a huge way. I give myself credit for that little back yeah, pat. Absolutely. Well, we just, we feel like you empower us and inspire us so much about our wellness and our nutrition. And we hope everyone will, um, will go check out Baby Making and Beyond and um, Balanced Bites balanced and your bites. book. I, I mean, everything, it's just so much. Um, but just in general, maybe just with one final takeaway, you know, how you, what you would say to us about one way or just something, a way we could feel a little more empowered about our own wellness. What I, I'll, I'll say what I've learned over the last like mm-hmm. 10 years of doing this is that it's not even about what you eat or how much you exercise. It really is about the mindset that you bring to it. And part of that is giving yourself a whole heap of credit if you go do something active in a certain day or finding an activity you actually enjoy doing. So if you hate working out, maybe you go join a basketball league or you start playing tennis or you do something that you really enjoy. And in doing so, you alleviate so much of that self-judgment and so much of the, I was supposed to do this, or over the last 20 years, I should have been eating more salads or whatever mm-hmm. it is. You you let that go and alleviate that from your psyche and really just try and find some enjoyment and giving yourself a ton of credit when you do something that you know is good for you and not worry too deeply about when you don't. So if you have a cookie or you go out and get shwasted one night, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. whatever, you do something to enjoy your life, actually maybe give yourself credit for that too, for having a moment of enjoyment without all of the self-judgment. Um, so I think just overall, and I know it's hokey and this is the hardest thing to convince people of ever, which is why 
food and exercise blogs are like the most popular and mindset blogs are the least popular. <laughs> Things <laughs> I write about mindset are the least popular. Um, but it really is 100% truth is the attitude and the mindset you bring to the things that you're doing is 100% responsible for how healthy you are going to become and the potential that you have to be successful. That was fun. That was really fun. I feel like we need to give her props right away because Liz is maybe one of the first uh, guests we've had on in a conversation to talk about really holding space for her daughter's negative emotions mm -hmm. and working while working herself so hard on getting comfortable with that full spectrum. Yeah. And in that idea of not just to have a better day or to change her relationship with her daughter or to build self-regulation skills in her daughter, but to break a cycle in her family yeah. and our greater culture about emotional literacy. That's really cool. Yeah. I think it invites us to examine the legacies in our own families that maybe we want to refine a little bit. We've all <laughs> we got them. We've we, got legacies. We got, some. we got some good ones. We got some not so good ones yeah. or favorite ones, I guess. I think one other mm. standout, I feel like we have to keep this a little bit short because we talked so long with her, but mm. I like that she's working so hard on that vulnerable act of accepting that there's no right or definitive answer in so much of this parenting and personal growth mm. and that there's no supreme authority on, authority on anything at all. Well, that we are, can only become the authority on it yeah. because everything is personalized. That yeah. we can go and look for as much information as we can, read all the books, talk to all the people, but it's up to us at the end of the day to decide what resonates and yeah. what we want to do about it. It reminds me of uh, the movie Willow, where he, he his first instinct, and he was right to say, I pick my own finger. Right. I'm not going to pick a finger of a, of on someone else's, you know, wizard's hand to <laughs> all-knowing everything. Um, okay, whatever. But as in the power is within us. And yeah. I think that as a culture, and especially as women, we are taught, don't think that you know it all. Don't know what's best for yourself. Look outside. That's a, a theme that I think comes up in upbringing a lot. So... I really liked that we were we were discussing how empowering that is and how that can be kind of... Um, and, well, that you can be doing both of those. Yeah. You trusting yourself and looking outside and deciding wh what you like you said. It's not one or, or right. the other. That's so exactly. true, Kelly. Yeah. Um, anything else? This was just great. Um, I hope that you will all um, go check out Liz. Uh, you can visit her website at realfoodliz.com and babymakingandbeyond.com. And you can find Liz Wolf on Instagram at realfoodliz. And as always, we would love to hear your thoughts on our conversation with Liz. So get in touch, whether DM, phone, email, or through our website, upbringing.co. Yes. And lastly, you are doing an amazing job. Mm -hmm. We are so proud of you. And we're right here with you, taking steps to better understand ourselves, our kids, and one another. So thanks for being here. We're all growing up together. Till next time. And now for the lullaby bye portion of our show, created in the hopes of inspiring us all to personalize our song singing experience with our kids. Yes. How much happier are we when we're singing a song we legitimately like to dance to yeah. or a song, you know, that we made out with someone in high school too? <laughs> Way happier. A Way, lot happier. Yes. I feel like with 
singing lullabies that we ourselves choose. It's about enjoying the process uh, as we sing, enjoying the process of connecting to our kids in an authentic way. And especially in those moments that can be really frustrating, like bedtime, Mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, or in the car, or I just, I just love the idea of practicing the exercise of letting it all out a little bit. Okay. Well, what do you have for us this week? You Got It by Roy Orbison. Uh, yeah. Also, a good one. I think co-written by Tom Petty and Jeff Lynn, which That's makes not sense. a shocker. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense with the traveling Wolverines and all, all those dudes. Yeah. This song makes me think, Han, about Boys on the Side, the movie. Mm. Um, we need to see that again. But didn't Bonnie, didn't Bonnie Raitt sing it in that? I think she did. That's probably why we fell in love with it so much. Yeah. Um, and then I reconnected with Roy Orbison when I was having my daughter Roy about five years ago. And there was a, a song on the same album called Mystery Girl that was... She's a mystery girl. She was a mystery yeah, girl. Was. So I think that's, she gonna that's be? how I kind of um, reconnected with it and really enjoyed singing it to her. So here goes. Every time I look into your love eyes I see a love that money just can't buy one look from you I drift away I pray that you are here to stay anything you want you got it. Anything you need, you got it. Anything at all, you got it, baby. Every time I hold you, I begin to understand. Everything about you tells me you're my man I live my life to be with you No one can do the things you do Anything you want, you got it Anything you need, you got it. Anything at all, you got it, baby. You got it.